Welcome back to another episode of the Sex Mancers Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to direct this towards women, at least the first part of this episode. And I want you to go ahead and provide me some honest feedback. And you can do that by going to sexmancers.com, click on feedback, or ask a question. But this is something that I feel like I need to ask because of everything that we see going on in the culture. And the question I got to ask you women is, do you want your guys to still have cojones, a pair of balls on them? Or are you actually sexually attracted to the wussified, neutered man? And I ask this because of all the conversations that have come up about toxic masculinity. Men are, you know, toxic and, you know, the, the whole competitiveness and all of that is just horrible. Men need to be, you know, in touch with their feelings more and, you know, be concerned about not misgendering people. You know, you, you got to be careful about that. And so I got to ask you, what kind of man do you want? And so as you think about this, think about how you are raising your kids. If you have kids, are you raising them based off of what women will actually find appealing and attractive? Or are you trying to fit a cultural narrative that will basically leave them in a pretty impossible situation to find a mate? When you're going ahead and, you know, you're getting intimate with your man and, you know, you're starting to get into the rock'em sock'em sex, do you want a guy who's just going to grab your ass, pick you up, bring you to the bedroom, strip you naked, and go ahead and just pound away? or you know, just go down and eat the hell out of you? Or do you want a guy who, you know, after a couple of kisses go, okay, I just want to make sure you're okay with this, right? You know, you, I want to make sure I have your consent. Do you, you know, consent to this sexual encounter with your boyfriend? You know, oh, by the way, I need you to sign this consent form. You know, I, I mean, is that really what you are looking for? You know, do you want that wussified man or do you want a guy who is just, you know, a guy, you know, who's going to go off and just be straight and straightforward with you, you know? And so here's one of the things, you know, that I, I you know, and I understand this, you know, guys, you no, know, we tend to be more blunt in our conversations and all of that. And. You know, and maybe when we're initially in the dating phase or not, I guess, dating phase, but we're trying to do pickup lines, you know, maybe we try to be smoother. We try to be clever and, you know, we all know those pickup lines and we know those pickup lines are horrible because guys just don't communicate that way normally. Now, some guys can actually pull it off, but I, I get that there's a tendency in the culture that Guys just need to talk a lot like women, you know, but that's not the way we talk. I mean, a guy is there to pretty much compliment, you know, the woman. And that is, we're supposed to be different. There's a good quote here, and I wish I knew who it was attributed to, but I heard it from uh, Dave Ramsey, you know, the big financial guru. If Two, if both of you in the relationship are exactly alike, one of you is unnecessary. And I got around to thinking about this whole, you know, 
do you want your man with balls or do you want a neutered man? Back when I was going through and I started binge watching Cobra Kai on Netflix. Now, if you're not familiar with Cobra Kai, let me try and explain. It basically plays off of 80s nostalgia for the Karate Kid. So basic setup for the Karate Kid is that, you know, Daniel LaRusso moved from New Jersey to California. He starts flirting with this girl, but her ex-boyfriend doesn't like it. And the ex-boyfriend starts going off and, you know, kind of bullies him a little bit. And, you know, at first, you know, he, Daniel is not really able to fight back. And so it was creating some conflict. You know, he was just in a new area. He didn't know, you know, what the social, you know, social scene was like, you know, how people acted and behaved in California at that time. And so, you know, he he gets uh, taken on by a karate master, Mr. Miyagi, you know, who is a lot more like a father figure and teaches him karate, you know, and then they go through the movie and at the end, there's a championship. I'm just giving you very basic. There's this championship and Daniel LaRusso, who was bullied, ends up winning the championship and the bully ends up, you know, Earn, you know, developing respect for Daniel saying, Hey, you're actually all right. And, you know, goes ahead and wants to personally hand Daniel the trophy, you know? And so I got around to thinking about this and goes, yeah, you know, that's kind of how men are. You know, some of my closest friends in life, you know, the closest friends I had growing up and the friends that, you know, had remained after high school graduation to this day. Are the ones that started off with a fist fight. I mean, it, it is kind of amazing, you know, for guys, how many of our childhood uh, friendship starts off with a fight, you know, throwing some fists, getting some black eyes. Yeah, it, it is kind of, I don't know whether that's just the way we're built, you know, with testosterone, especially in our teenage years. But I also know that back in high school, or actually, I think it was like back in middle school, you know, I was starting to get bullied a little bit up until I fought back, right? And I could fight back with a vengeance. I mean, by the time, you know, kids started trying to initially pick on me, I had already started my martial arts, you know, and so I was already, you know, what was it? Uh, at the, by the time I got into middle school, I was already a green belt in Taekwondo. And so, you know, the kids uh, initially tried picking on me. What happened? I beat the holy crap out of them. You want to know what happened then? Nobody picked on me. In fact, some of them actually became my friends after that. (laughs) It's quite amazing. You know, and the school was a lot different back then as well. I know this is a long setup here, but I promise I'm going to get to you know, the overall point. And so the teachers would sometimes just stand back and watch as the fights happen. I mean, I was taking on three people at once, beating the crap out of all three of them, and the teachers were just sitting back. And then afterwards, they're like, okay, time to get to class. You know, boys will be boys. You know, and what happened? There was never a fight again. There was no, and anybody trying to do a sneak attack when the teachers weren't looking. You learn to fight back. I mean, that's just part of men growing up, right? 
we, uh, and that is something that may be ingrained, but that's also kind of how men socialize. And you got to understand this. Men tend to socialize by, through competition and or through an actual confrontation. And it's amazing how many friendships develop out of that. But now we take a look, fast forward 2020, what happens? Now, if a kid even defends themselves from a bully, oh, they're in trouble. Oh, yes, you are supposed to, and you are being taught that as a kid, you know, or, you know, throughout school, that you better let the bully beat you up and let the teacher take care of it. And that's assuming that the teacher will take care of it because, oh, there could be, you know, some issues based off of, you know, um, class, you know, social economic statuses and, you know, all that mumble jumbo. Or maybe the teacher just, you know, kind of likes the other kid, you know, who is a bully a little bit more and they don't really know you. So, you know, eh, you know, just kind of nothing ends up happening or being resolved. You know, my kids, you know, I had been uh, bullied in school as well. And that's why I, I've started, I've been teaching them martial arts so that they can easily fight back and i'm teaching them multiple forms you know and so you know this all kind of goes on through you know this idea of does your man have balls because growing up you know determines a lot about your adulthood if you're somebody who you know went through a lot of competition had to fend off you know in fights from bullies and, you know, these are things that are actually character development. I know, I know, in our society, we have this thought that, oh, all those things are absolutely evil. And you shouldn't be, you know, concerned about that. Everybody should get a trophy. And, you know, you should just, you know, try and run away and let the person beat you up rather than fight back. And that is very damaging to the psyche of a man, especially as they get into adulthood. Because what happens? They become a neuterized person unable to actually succeed in life. They actually expect the worst and they don't know how to stand up for themselves, how to compete and how to try and get ahead. And so they don't. But those who did have to deal with those things and overcame them were able to go on, advance and succeed. But we also got all these things that are just, I don't know, we never had to deal with when I was growing up. And that's all this crazy things about, you know, aren't you genderizing or using genderizing languages? Oh, a man can be a woman now, and a woman can decide to be a man. And, you know, all this other, you know, mumbo jumbo that was has just been made up in the last four to eight years, you know, that never even existed, you know, before the last eight years. And now we see that there's a lot of, you know, people out there, you know, that are just been wussified, that are just walking on eggshells, afraid to say anything because anybody can be, can decide to be offended by anything. And I got to ask you, is this the type of man that, you know, that you are pushing for in society that you yourself are sexually attracted to? 
And you got to start thinking about that. What is it about the men in your life? What is the characteristics of men that you find sexually appealing, that you find as you know desirable in a mate? And then ask yourself if what you are pushing for in the culture or how you are raising your boys or, you know, if you have kids, is that, you know, how you're raising them? Are you raising them to be the type of person that you and the, the and your lady friends, your girlfriends would find sexually attractive if they weren't your child and they were adults? You got to start thinking about this. And, and when taking a look at the man that you have, is he actually a man? Or are you just seeing, you know, a, a girlfriend with a penis? I, you got to go through and understand where I'm coming from here. In any event, I was taking a look at Cobra Kai, which continues that story of the Karate Kid. Only this time, it gives the, you know, the childhood bully the equal airtime as basically Daniel and Johnny are equally, you know, part of the show. And you find out here that Johnny was not as bad as you had initially thought. He just had a different perspective. Plus, he had a bad mentor. Now, of course, you can go too far in one direction if you go with the Cobra Kai motto of strike first, strike hard, no mercy. You know, and that was a bad sensei. And and sensei being a karate term in case you're unaware. And so the show goes that Johnny is trying to bring back Cobra uh, Kai, but he's trying to bring it back, you know, and try to teach things that he was not taught when he was a Cobra Kai student, you know, where he tries to explain uh, the difference between no mercy and no honor. Because, yes, honor does matter, you know, especially, you know, in fights, you know, because, well, being dishonorable is actually a sign of being a wuss. But in any event, he tries to go off and you realize that between Johnny and Daniel, neither one of them is really the good guy, but neither one of them is really the bad guy. And a lot of the lessons uh, that we can learn is that, you know, a lot of conflict is basically misunderstandings and events happening that, you know, one of them is attributing to being, you know, directed by the other, but the other doesn't actually know about it happening, you know, and so you are attributing motives that, you know, just aren't there and blaming someone for something that they don't even know has actually happened. And they kind of go back and forth between, you know, in each scenario, who's the good person, who's the bad person. And so if I were to analyze a show and why it's actually really, really good, and, you know, it's been going on for a while, but it just recently transferred from YouTube uh, Red to Netflix, you know, uh, but it also goes through here about, you know, why it's so good is that, you know, it's real life, you know, the misunderstandings, the people doing things behind their backs, and then the people they're doing it to assume it's from a particular person. And we can all see this happening in a workplace environment, 
you know, we can even see that, you know, the miscommunications happening with our spouses and then trying to attribute, oh, toxic. But also what's good with the show is it does go through and it does point out that there's a lot of things that are going on that in the culture that is just ridiculous. Things that are actually just screwing people up because it's teaching them to have a victimhood mentality. And if you were selecting a guy, do you want a guy who sees himself perpetually as a victim, whining about every little thing that he thinks might be slightly offensive? Or do you want a guy that's just like, <laughs> whatever, you know, or, you know, will go ahead and kind of strike back? You know, insults are another way that guys tend to bond. You know, guys don't bond the same way women do. And you shouldn't expect guys to be women. And so, you know, just kind of go through here and take a look at how you are, you know, trying to promote the way men should be in the culture and ask yourself if that would actually be the type of man you would be sexually attracted to or if that's the kind of guy, you know, and what you are promoting that would just be a nice part of the girls, right? Just a, you think of him as a gal pal. Yeah, you're starting to understand this, aren't you? Starting to understand the problem. If you're raising, you know, your sons to, you know, be basically what you would consider another girl, you know, you know, another part of the girls and not the one who actually gets the girl. And so throughout this show of Cobra Kai, Johnny, you know, displays, you know, basically the kind of alpha male mentality. Although there are times when he kind of takes it to a, a hilariously overboard, but he's also a little bit behind the times, you know, uh, he doesn't have Facebook. He doesn't have a smartphone. He didn't even know what Facebook was, you know, and he's having to deal with all this, uh, all this, you know, cultural BS and he's trying to go through and counter it. And then Daniel, on the other hand, well, he never encounters it. That was just interesting because all of that cultural BS that Johnny is dealing with never comes up around Daniel or any of his students. It is just not anywhere in the conversation. And so how Johnny handles everything is kind of funny, but it also goes off and says, yeah, you know what? This does have, you know, based a lot in reality of, you know, men to a large degree. I mean, you can keep out the Cobra Kai, you know, uh, philosophy, you know, because while that works in business, <laughs> that doesn't work in your personal life. While it works in competition, it doesn't work as a personal life. And so it's not meant to actually be a whole life philosophy. It is competition philosophy. And so here is Johnny Lawrence dealing with uh, some of the stuff that is going on in the culture. It's quite funny. So am I going to get the chronic pajamas too? Go ahead! Okay. Okay. All right, you ready to begin your training? Yes, Sensei. What the? Mercy is for the weak. Here, on the street, in competition, a man confronts you. He is the enemy. An enemy deserves no mercy. What is the problem, Mr. Diaz? 
No problem, Sensei. You, you punch me right back. That's my show. Not anymore. We do not allow weakness in this dojo. So you can leave your asthma and your peanut allergies and all that other made-up bullshit outside. Is that understood? It's about a real life. Take that first lesson. Striking first is the initial step towards victory. Okay, like when you're at a party, you see a hot babe. Yeah. You don't wait for some other guy to go talk to her first, do you? I mean, have you ever been to a party? So, big surprise. All right, look. Striking first is about being aggressive. Right? If you're not aggressive and you're being a pussy and you don't want to be a pussy, you want to have balls. Don't you think you're doing a lot of genderizing? What? Oh, uh, sorry. Don't you think you're doing a lot of genderizing, Sensei? No, uh, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, uh, my guidance counselor says that certain words perpetuate the sexist worldview that could trigger. Quiet! Doctor said, get me on the spectrum. I don't know what that is, but get off of pronto, all right? No, no, except boys and girls. Gender what? <laughs> gender what yeah you know think about that you know you you have guys out there that either think that they're women or you know think that they're gender neutral or peanut butter or you know whatever this other crazy stuff is i mean, just be honest with yourself just be honest that you think all of this stuff is crazy as i do and that if any guy actually acted like that around you, you may think of them as, okay, maybe they're a nice person, but you're definitely not thinking about wanting to have sex with that person. You know, be honest, ladies, about this. And so why are we trying to perpetuate a culture in which nobody would find the person sexually attractive or sexually appealing? You know, the... This is really, while I meant for this to actually be funny and, you know, be able to have a, quite a bit of humor uh, around it, this is actually, the more I think about it, the more I realize that this is actually a serious conversation and bringing up a lot of points here that we really need to think about as a culture. On the other side, we also need to think about how women act. You know, especially with this whole third wave feminism. I mean, do you really think that if you go through a life motto of men suck, men are toxic, men are the cause of all the problems in the world, do you think that's actually making yourself appealing to men? Now, you know, you can still be competitive with men. In fact, we kind of like women who can be competitive. You know, competitive playing basketball, competitive, you know, um, name your sport, you know, competitive in the career. But to go off and, you know, be just men are just horrible garbage people. I, you know, you can't, you know, you shouldn't be able to do this, this and that. You got to just, you know, be a wussified wimp that does everything I want you to do. Do you think that's actually going to? lead to a successful relationship. And by the way, would you even want a man that would just spend his entire life going, yes, ma'am, yes, dear, whatever you want. I mean, yes, there is kind of a good joke. If you listen to uh, Gabriel, uh, what was his name? Gabriel Ignatius. You know, I I have a hard time uh, pronouncing his name. 
but he was talking about an argument that he was having uh, with some kids over, you know, comic book heroes. And they were trying to say DC is better than Marvel. And so when he was asking about who the DC superheroes were, one of them brought up Green Lantern. And he was like, oh, I never heard of Green Lantern. What's his power? He goes, well, he has this ring and this ring gives him power. And, you know, there's that joke that, you know, that is the most unrealistic superhero of all time. Because no man who wears a ring feels like they have power from it. I mean, so, I mean, that's a good joke, you know, and there's the joke about sleeping out on the couch, but. I mean, just have a serious, well-rounded conversation with yourself about, you know, what it is about men that you actually find attractive versus men that, well, you would think of as part of the girls. But if we were to get into the more serious aspect of this, there's actually a reason why you don't want your guys to be wimps, why you don't want them to be wussified, why you want them to have a parable is because let's say we go through with what the culture wants. You know, a bully confronts your child. Your child is supposed to just take it without defending themselves. But what happens in that situation? That is damaging psychologically and emotionally. They start having a lot of, you know, pent up anger, you know, that just builds and builds and builds up. And people who never stand up for themselves, people that, you know, just constantly, you know, take abuse without being able to dish it back out to the abuser. You know, what happens? Well, they grow up and they can end up and they grow up in what mass murders. They blow up at somebody and oftentimes very violently or they grow up with such depression, they commit suicide. There needs to be a place to vent all that out. Now, I get it. You're wanting to go, well, there shouldn't be conflict. We are evolved. Guess what? We still have instinct. Guess what? We're still part of the animal kingdom, despite how much we try to separate ourselves from that. And guess what? A lot of people to this day do not fully understand the human brain, how information is processed, the chemical balance of it all and how emotion is processed. There's a lot we don't understand. And so trying to go off and go against, you know, what and how, what and how nature built us and intended does have long-term consequences. Now, there are ways to vent that out in a way that still allows us to engage and build up, you know, great civilizations like the United States. But that doesn't happen when we reinforce an idea that is very psychologically damaging, especially to men. And by the way, you know, when it comes to who's crueler, I would say women are more cruel than men growing up, especially in the teenage years, especially in high school. And let's actually take a look at this, you know, because how men, you know, the, you know, Men are toxic. It's actually much more efficient and actually less toxic than how a lot of women behave in high school and in their early 20s. And for some women throughout their entire life, 
Because let's analyze this. You know, men, they have a conflict, right? They have a problem with each other. What will they do? Well, and, and the, when I was a kid, you know, we're talking, you know, uh, teenage years of the 90s, early 2000s. You know, what would happen if I had a problem with someone? They had a problem with me. You know, we would confront each other face to face. You know, get very, very argumentative. And depending on what the conflict is, fists would start flying. But at the end of that, at the end of that fight, the conflict is resolved. There's no longer a problem. And in fact, most a lot of times the kids, you know, will become friends or at least develop mutual respect for each other such that they no longer really have a problem. You know, the worst case scenario generally, you know, nine out of 10 times, the worst that's going to happen after the fight is they just avoid each other and ignore that the other one exists, right? The conflict is over. Now let's take a look at how women do it. Women, you know, when they have a problem, they'll smile to each other's face and act like they're best friends to each other's face. And then they engage in psychological warfare behind their backs, you know, going off spreading rumors and insulting each other behind their backs. They avoid the direct conflict. So what is worse? Long-term, you know, possibly years-long psychological attacks trying to make each other miserable? You know, especially kids today that will use social media try and bully. They don't even have the pair of balls that it takes to actually, you know, inform who it is saying it, you know, but, you know, going behind each other's back for weeks, months, maybe even years, trying to torture the person psychologically and make them the outcast of the entire school. And, or is it better to just confront face to face, throw a few punches? and beat the hell out of each other, but have it be resolved right then and there. I would say, as always, you know, the guy's method is very much, very much more efficient and less damaging. Now, as we go through here, you know, of course, we got to put this in context, right? I'm not saying in all aspects of all areas of life, right? But I'm just saying that guys do need to be guys and just like girls need to be girls. I mean, think about this. What if we were to say that, you know, femininity is toxic. It's just horribly toxic. So women needed to start acting more like guys. You know, you need to start lifting your leg and letting one rip that you need to start you know, just belching out the alphabet that you need to start doing armpit farts, right? I mean, I, I know I'm going with the immature aspect of guys as teenagers and, you know, our preteens and all that, but I mean, it's just kind of, I'm trying to go to a ridiculous place here, but let's say we were to do that. Now, these are things that guys throughout periods of time, you know, will do you know, when they're drunk, when they're just with the other guys and, you know, so on and so forth, you know, try to light a fart on fire. I get that. But would women 
you know, be able to really engage in that long term. I mean, sure, you might be able to, you know, do that for a night or two, but can you imagine if we decided as a culture that women needed to act just like men? Well, how would that go towards your psyche? You know, how would that go into, you know, your development, right? It would be actually, and, you know, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this, but it would go against your actual nature as women. And of course, there would also be the problem that men wouldn't find you attractive acting like men, right? Do you think that a guy is looking at a woman and going, man, I wonder how much, how much force she can let out a fart with? You know, can she light her farts on fire? Ooh, that would be attractive. Oh man, I can't wait. If she can belch the alphabet, I will take her to my bedroom tonight. No, guys do not think like that. And so, you know, you got to start wondering, you know, in the reverse, if a guy gets a mani petty and starts getting his toenails painted, is that what you find attractive? You know, this is all to say here that, you know, the, the culture as we are seeing it in 2020 seems to think that the best version of a man that women should want is a neutered man that pretty much acts like a woman. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not trying to advocate that, you know, men should just be unequivocal assholes. That is not what I'm advocating for. There is a big difference between a guy having a pair of balls and a guy being just a complete and total asshole. All right. So, you know, a guy being a complete and total asshole is a guy who's just going up and trying to pick fights with random people and just, you know, insulting a bunch of people that they don't know. Right. But then there's the having the pair of balls, being competitive, willing to engage in friendly trash talk, willing to go off and, you know, defend themselves, you know, punch back. If they are attacked, but we seem to be in a culture where people are getting to the point where they feel like their life is in jeopardy. If someone hurts their feelings, you know, where they feel like it's an existential threat for someone to even voice an opinion different than their own. You know, if someone else voices an opinion that you don't agree with, and all of a sudden, oh my God, the world is falling. My life is crumbling down. I, I'm I'm in danger. You know, you, that's not a healthy culture here. You know, we need men to be men and women to be women. And this whole conversation about women need to be women is a whole other conversation because there seems to be a lot of, well, miscommunications are false ideas of what women should be, you know, that women should just be these frail little creatures that always needs a man to take care of them. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm advocating for when I say women need to be women. But, you know, we all have different chemistry, you know, men and women. You know, we have different levels of hormones, of testosterone, estrogen, we have different formations in our brain, you know, especially around the clausum callosum, if I'm pronouncing that right. 
you know, and these are reasons why women seem to be more in touch with their emotions and men tend to be more assertive and more competitive in general. Now, you know, uh, remember I'm saying in general, that is not always the case. There are plenty of women out there who are highly competitive, who are very strong-willed, determined. There are plenty of women out there that can go off and engage in muscle building. I, uh, there's always, you know, a, a section of any population that does not go along with the norm. Okay. Granted. But what I'm saying is you shouldn't expect men to act like women and then wonder why things are going wrong. You shouldn't go off and try and demand that women act like women and then wonder to yourself why you're not sexually attracted to them. Why these guys fit everything you want in a man and yet you find them sexually unattractive is because you're not actually going through and promoting what you really want in a man. You're just trying to go through and talk about what is, in your belief, you know, acceptable to your social group. You're just advocating what you believe you should be advocating for to be socially acceptable rather than advocating for what you really want. Now, if I were to go off and think of this in the terms of Cobra Kai, right, the terms of karate, it means about a balance, finding a balance between, you know, you know, men being able to just be men, but not going off and being assholes and women being women, but not going off and becoming bitches. You know, you got to find balance too much in either direction, you know, in society. If the society gets to be too masculine, you know, and over chauvinistic, that's a problem. If society goes completely in the other direction and becomes overtly feminism, you know, overtly feminine in all aspects, that's a problem. You know, and so the way I view it in relationships is that there's a reason why men and women you know, have very different character traits. And I'm not talking about reproductive wise, because yes, we need men and women for the continuation of the species here. But beyond that, men and women need each other, you know, throughout life. You know, you, you know, growing up, you need both your mother and your father. You know, as an adult, you need your husband or you need your wife. Why? Because they balance you out. They make you a more well-rounded person. Think about this in a relationship. You know, for men out there, you know, you're married, you know, to a man and let's assume your man has a pair of balls. Well, part of his role is to help, you know, lift you up, you know, to help make you stronger, to help you, you know, gain the confidence and motivation that you need to be able to achieve your goals, your life's ambitions, to be able to be, you know, your rock and to also, you know, especially do his part in helping to raise the kids, you know, so that, you know, and do, you know, work around the house as well. I mean, come on, it is 2020. So that, you know, not everything is, you know, around the house and kids is laid at your feet. And return, women, you're basically taking, you know, a jagged edged rock 
and you're kind of, you know, smoothing out the edges. I mean, I'm kind of using a metaphor, you know, uh, from uh, Rambo 3. Okay, yes, I get it. But you're there to kind of balance it out, you know, balance him out, you know, and help him, you know, be have a, a little more gentler way than if it was just him and being surrounded by other guys 24-7, right? So, yes, you know, women, you know, you balance men out, you know, and complement, you know, the masculinity by injecting in some femininity, and men, likewise, help balance out, you know, the feminism by helping, you know, to provide and support more, you know, masculine, you know, what is considered masculinity uh, traits. You know, you're balancing each other out. Just like if we were to talk about in a financial term, one of you is a nerd, the other one is a free spirit. You need both of you to come together to have a well-rounded life. All right, all right. Enough about trying to figure out whether or not your man has any balls to him. Because for some of you, the more important question is, can your man eat pussy? Can he eat you out to the point where you're like, oh my God, and have a nice big orgasm? For some of you, of course, the answer will be, yes, your guy is great at eating you. And for some of you, it's like, nah, nah, he completely sucks. Now, for some of it, maybe the problem is he's never gotten any feedback. You know, women don't always speak up. A lot of women don't speak up during sex, during bed. And, you know, we'll just lie there and just kind of, you know, just allow things, you know, and just, you know, have him keep going on and on and on, even if what he's doing actually kind of sucks. It doesn't feel good or, you know, sometimes even feels bad, but you just don't speak up and therefore you never correct his technique. You never go off and explain, hey, that's not necessarily how I like it. Now, of course, you know, for some of you, you know, you got to realize that, you know, it it can be difficult because how you like things change over the course of the month. You know, what feels good when you're ovulating might feel really, really bad when you're, you know, weak out from your actual cycle or, you know, just when you get done with your cycle. And so there's a lot of variables that go into play. I mean, there's no one size fits all technique, but there's also, you know, no one type of move that will work with the same woman throughout the entire month. However, that all said, there are still some techniques and some ways to go about it that does tend to work most of the time for most of the women out there. And so let's go ahead and discuss this because one of the problems is that too many guys just rush right on in. You know, they don't necessarily understand that women need to be warmed up in order to have an orgasm. They can't just go at it and within a minute, you know, explode. Now for guys, there are situations in which maybe a minute is about all we can handle. It kind of depends on how long it's been here. But, you know, women need more time. Their body needs more time to warm up, to feel the passion in order to achieve 
orgasm. And so, guys, if your move is you just dive right in and you focus strictly on the clit and you try to get under the hood and just go right at it, chances are you're doing it wrong, right? Chances are she's not really enjoying it because you're going to the most sensitive part and you're just going to town on it with absolutely no warm-up. You need the warm-up. Think about this in terms of exercising. You don't just go straight from, you know, waking up to running out the door and, you know, doing a 5K. No, 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 no. You do warm-up. You do stretches. You, you know, try to get limbered up. You know, get your body, you know, ready in order to go through and do that exercise. Well, think of eating her out as the warm-up, the stretching before the exercise. And you got to go through and have the right technique. And I get what guys are thinking. Well, the clit is the most sensitive part. It is what triggers the orgasm. Of course, I should go on and focus solely on that. But yeah, you're wrong. You're wrong. You need to actually go through and warm her up. So first, do not go straight for the clit. You know, work on the lips on around it. Work on, you know, the rest of it. The clit should be one of the last things that you go to. Right, so I kind of do this outside inside where I start on the very outside of the vaginal walls and then kind of work my way in. And as I go through, I do kind of a uh, mix up between circles and squares and, you know, uh, just straight lines up and down. I kind I mix it up a little bit and that's all before I get to the clip. Right, now, once you get to the clit, right, there are several different techniques. Uh, you can do sweeping your tongue across the clit. Now, this move, you know, does tend to feel good for women. You know, at least it really does uh, for my wife. Now, this involves, you know, being on top of the hood, you know, the clitoral hood. And basically, what you're doing is you're sweeping your tongue back and forth across the clit. So basically, you would start off on the right side or the left side of the clit, and then you just kind of swing it back and forth. Basically, you're moving your head at almost as if you're saying no, you know, shaking your head no, but you're doing that with your tongue out, and it's going across the clit. Now, even with the sweeping technique, you can switch it up a little bit, right? So don't just stay level. Uh, sweeping back and forth, you know, try changing it up after so long of sweeping back and forth, change the position. So maybe you're going diagonally, you know, starting uh, from the top uh, right down to the bottom left. And then as then you can change that up to the top left, going down to the bottom right, and then go back and forth left to right. You know, you kind of change it up a little bit to help get a full 360 sweep uh, across the clit as you go around, taking some time every so often to stop the sweep and kind of focus on, you know, sucking on that clit a little bit. And then as you suck on it, try to take, 
you know, some of the clitoral hood uh, into your mouth, you know, kind of sucking on the edge and then take your tongue and, you know, the tip of your tongue sweeping across while it's, you know, as much of it is in your mouth as possible. Now, be careful. Don't put too much suction on it. All right. This is lightly sucking. You're lightly wanting to draw blood flow into the clit and into the surrounding vaginal walls when you do sucking. You're not trying to give her a hickey there. Now, another move that you can do is clitoral circles. Now, this is one of the best and most pleasurable clitoral techniques that you can use when you're eating out a woman. All right. So basically what you'll want to do is get to either the left, the right, you know, maybe just above the clit. And then you just start making circles with your tongue. This gets a natural, you know, more 360, you know, uh, stimulation of the clit. And what you'll do is you'll make different size circles. You know, you can go through and make very small circles with the tip of your tongue all the way to very big circles that go down halfway down, um, you know, her vag, her vagina halfway down to her uh, vaginal opening and back up. All right. So you can do circles or, you know, another way to say this is ovals, right? If you're going halfway down to her vaginal opening. And of course you can do a little tongue, tongue fucking there too, but you can go off and just make sure you do circles. And I would say even switch that up circles, squares, ovals, maybe even try triangles. You know, going through and keeping all of this going on, you know, and keeping the stimulation and not, you know, sticking too much to the same thing for too long will help get her to the edge. Now, driving her and warming her up for sex is different in methodology or thinking than eating her out to an orgasm because just getting her warmed up for sex, you're getting everything sensitive. You're getting everything filled up, but you're also, you know, changing up the stimulation so that, you know, she's constantly feeling more and more sensations. To eat her out to an orgasm, you do need to get to a point where you get a steady rhythm, you know, where it's predictable. It's going to remain uh, constant long enough for her to achieve an orgasm. So you also got to make sure that you understand the goal when you're down there. Are you down there to give her an oral orgasm or are you down there just to warm her up? Now, as I've alluded before, you want to do some light suction techniques, not, you know, give her a hickey down there, but some light suction technique, but don't go straight to the suction technique. Don't go straight to lightly sucking on her vaginal walls and her clit. This is something that you'll want to do as she is warmed up, right? You want to go through and first get her warmed up and then start the light sucking and the light sucking to bring in some of the blood flow because blood flow down there for women is like blood flow for an erection for a guy. The more blood flow there is, the more sensitive it becomes and the more pleasurable the feelings are. 
I guess one way to uh, go off and describe it is that when you start taking her uh, clit directly into your mouth or gently into your mouth, you want to suck on it more like you're drinking from a straw, right? And not a heavy liquid. This isn't, you know, uh, a milkshake or, you know, a chocolate shake from Dairy Queen that's really thick and you got to suck it like a Hoover. No, 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 no. We're talking about, you know, gently as if you were drinking water through a straw. That's, you know, your suction technique on her clit. Another great technique to go about is to remember the ABCs. Yes, that's right. Your alphabet. Do the alphabet over her clit. I know it may sound funny, but once you position your tongue either to the side or at the top of her clit and begin using your tongue to draw the ABCs, A through Z, it can be a great technique to go through and really get her to the point where she is about to just explode, to the point where she is about to orgasm. Now, in all of these techniques, you also got to keep in mind that tongue pressure matters, right? If she is very sensitive, right, you want to do it very lightly. If she is not all that sensitive, depending on where she's at in her cycle, then you'll want to go through and apply more pressure. But you'll want to go through and do A through Z over a clit. This mixes up the stimulation. You know, it gets to all sides of her clit and doesn't keep everything to the point where it is a dull or in pattern where at first it feels good and then all of a sudden, you know, it starts not feeling so good because it's just the same thing repeated. Now, it's not necessarily bad for the same thing repeated, but if you do one thing for far too long, she, it, she will become accustomed to it and will not get the great sensation towards the end that she was getting towards the beginning. And one of the major differences here between doing circles and doing the ABCs, because in a sense, doing your ABCs could be a form of circles, but by going through the patterns here, you get a nice mix of clitoral stimulation both on top of the hood and under the hood, but you're not putting too much on either one, or I, or I should say you're not putting too much sensation under the clitoral hood. Because while you should focus a lot on being on top of the clitoral hood, I mean, there's a reason there's a hood there to begin with, you know, you still need to get some direct stimulation underneath the hood directly to the clit to really drive up the sensation, you know, get it sensitive enough and get it overly sensitive so uh, so that when you go back on top of the hood, it feels that much better, all right? And then there's one more technique that should be discussed here, and that is the messy eater, right? The, I don't know who named the messy eater technique the messy eater, but this is basically combining all the techniques into one session, right? This is going through and doing everything that we've talked about thus far, you know, all in one night. You know, this is where you may start off 
with your ABCs. You may start off with your circles. You may start off with some light suction, but probably don't want to start off with light suction. This is where you start off with the ABCs and then you switch it up. So let's say you're really wanting to go through and, you know, eat her out to a nice big orgasm, right? So maybe you go off and you start with light circles, you know, just going around, doing some circles, getting a full 360 degree stimulation to the clit. And this is after you've already done the vaginal walls and starting to get those sensitive and nice and wet. Then you go off and you start doing some circles, getting a full 360 degree around the clit, getting it all nice and stimulated on all sides. And then you start sweeping side to side, sweeping diagonally. And then you start getting in some light suctions and start drawing the ABCs on her clit. You're doing all of that, all of that in one night. Now I get that that's, you know, Again, it's kind of something that the best name that I was able to find for doing all of these techniques at once is just called the messy eater. And I don't get why it's called the messy eater, but you know, it's goes through to try and stimulate everything, try to get all around on top of the hood, under the hood, you know, direct clitoral stimulation, indirect clitoral stimulation, go through. And if you do that, you can drive her to a nice, massive orgasm. Or you got her, you know, about ready to pop as you start penetration. Now, one thing that I would go through here, and as I, you know, like to bring you in a little bit to my sexual habits. Yes, I do all of these eating techniques. Right. And my wife loves them. I mean, there will be times when she wants penetration. So she has to stop me before she orgasms, before I continue on to the point where, you know, it's the point of no return where she just grabs the back of my head and just, you know, puts me right there in between her legs, you know, and she definitely wants it because it's the point of no return. You know, and then there are times when she is very in tuned with her body and she just wants the penetration. That's how she wants to get off. And so she has to put her hands down there and back me off before the orgasm triggers. But that's because I do two more things in addition to the techniques that I've brought here. And they're not clitoral stimulation. I mean, there are things that I do in addition to these techniques on her clit that you should be doing as well. And so one of them is very simple. You take one hand and you grab the breasts, right? And you play with the nipples while you're providing stimulation to the clit. Because here is a fun fact. The nipples on the breast are connected to the same nerve ending as the clit. And so they're on the same nerve pathways. You know, I don't know if there's a better name for that, but that's the name that I'm using. They're on the same nerve pathway. And so you're basically, you know, when you're grabbing the breasts and kind of playing with the nipple a little bit, you're providing stimulation on both ends of the same nerve 
as you know, when you're going off and you're providing stimulation to the clit. And it, you know, according to my wife, that is very powerful. That is something that really feels great and will go off and, you know, trigger an orgasm even quicker than just direct stimulation to the clit. Now, the next technique that I use is, you know, with my finger playing with the G spot inside of her. So, you know, this is a technique where, you know, you stick, you know, whatever finger you're most comfortable with, your index finger, your middle finger, and you have it, you know, in the palm up position and you do a come hither motion. You know, you do this, you know, where you curl your finger up just a little bit and you're just doing that back and forth across the G spot. And so if you have your finger on the G spot with a come hither motion, your other hand, you know, playing with the nipples on the breast, you know, and you determine based off of what your dominant hand is uh, as far as which hand is doing the come hither, which hand is grabbing the breast and playing with the nipples, all while your tongue is going off and providing stimulation to the clit. If you do those three things, you know, the, you know, eating techniques that I have talked about and add in direct G-spot stimulation with stimulation to the nipples, that will trigger a massive orgasm that will have her muscles shaking long after the orgasm has completed. Now, some of you women out there listening to this part of the episode are just imagining all of this going on, and you're getting wet and horny right now. You're going, yes, yes, yes. My man needs to listen to this segment of this podcast. I want him to do this. I want him to use these techniques that you had stated, and I want that G-spot nipple stimulation. Oh, man. You know, I would be just so happy, you know, going off and, you know, having all of that pleasurable sensation. But even if you're not doing it to an orgasm, just imagine that being the warm up just before penetration. Just imagine, you know, what that would lead to once penetration starts. Now, if you're, you know, older and you have kids, then you know that if this is the warm-up, then by the time you get to the final act, you're going to be grabbing for that pillow so that you don't wake up the kids with an earth-shattering orgasm. All right, all right. That's it uh, for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I will be back again next week. I know I missed last week. I'm sorry. Things came up. You know, life can just get hectic from time to time. Now, go ahead, leave me a rating and a review so other people can find the show. Share it with anybody that you feel needs this type of information or would just enjoy the show for good laughs and humor. All right, thank you so much for listening. It's greatly appreciated, and I will be back again soon.